0: faith fit radio and the diocese of orlando presents school of humanity with jason and rachel Bullman, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive now here are your hosts hello and welcome to episode eight of the school of humanity and i'm rachel Bullman here with this handsome keanu reeves lookalike what's your name
1: hi i'm jason Bullman.
0: Wow. <laughs> we are so excited to continue our Lenten journey with you and to talk with you tonight about the discernment of spirits. Last week, we gave kind of an introductory um, podcast really about the three things that are involved with the discernment of spirits. And do you recall what those three things are, love? This is a test. This is a test. Do you pay attention when we do podcasts?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's first is to be aware Mm -hmm. then to understand and apply. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Take action. Take action. Okay, good. You saved yourself because I was gonna let you know that you weren't paying attention when you were talking yourself. So anyway, so be aware, understand and take action. And so um, as we've said before, these are just really near and dear to our hearts you know this the Sermon of Spirits and that Father Timothy Gallagher just does an outstanding job of being able to to explain kind of in layman terms how each of these rules um, applies to us and how we can use them to better discern you know how to be saints really when you say love
1: totally agree
0: and we went over this with the School of Humanity, our our young adult group, and I mean, they loved it. They wanted to continue diving into them. It took us every time we do any book or anything, it, and we were trying to do it like in six or seven weeks or something, and it took us. Like, I think
1: like it took us six months.
0: <laughs> Pretty close, I think. I think it took almost six months. Um, we were all laughing because we couldn't get past, we'd say we're going to do rule one and two.
1: Yeah. And then that took like three weeks.
0: And we'd get like halfway maybe a quarter of a way through rule one like the first night and then it was constantly like that because I mean these are real
1: yeah it's just so applicable and everything builds on each other and it just uh, lends itself to beautiful conversations and um, growing together you know
0: and so tonight you know our goal is to in 25 minutes or so (laughs) do what we couldn't do in in uh Like three hours with, but you know, there was a lot more people involved in that other than just you and I. So, um, but we want to talk about rule one and two tonight.
1: Right. And they sort of apply to being aware of what's going on. So, um, the first rule,
0: the first rule says in persons who are going from mortal sin to mortal sin, the enemy is ordinarily accustomed to propose apparent pleasures to them. Leading them to imagine sensual delights and pleasures in order to hold them more and make them grow in their vices and sins and these persons, the good spirit uses a contrary method, stinging and biting their consciences through their rational power of moral judgment
1: yeah, I think we can all relate to that um, unless
0: hear me because I mean we've established right,
1: that right right let's <laughs> let's move past that you know? um, <laughs> No, but we should we should um, we should specify some terms, right? Yes. Uh, before we move forward, so if you notice, he used the term "good spirit" and "bad spirits," and we want to explain enemy. that It'll, enemy yeah. in oh, the first one. Okay, what was it?
0: Enemy and then good spirits. Good
1: spirits, yeah. So we just want to define those terms that he uses because. Um, Do you want me to go ahead and talk about that? So, when he talks about the enemy of our soul, like we've talked about many times as the school of humanity, one of our, um, you know, axioms that we talk about a lot is that, you know, we are made to be saints. We are made for goodness. Um, So, anything that lends or that tempts you is anti human in a way. Right. So,. and this, when he talks about the enemy, he could be referring to the vices that you have, even within your...
0: Your own psyche. Yeah.
1: Um, or it could be an actual influence of the world, like, right. you know, people around you or the media. Um, or it could, in fact, be, you know, a fallen angel because, you know, demons are real. The devil is real. And they do, uh, in fact, you know make suggestions to us. And so, you know, things happen and, uh, we're faced with temptations often. And so collectively those things he refers to as the enemy, right? Right. But, but he also calls them the uh, bad
0: spirit later. Um, right. He also calls them the enemy of human nature, which is probably my favorite, especially in light of obviously not my the enemy of human nature is not right. my favorite, but the term in and of itself is my, my favorite way to, to refer to this bad spirit. It's because, like we've said, anything that sin is contrary to who you are. Sin is contrary to your human nature. Right. So it's important to realize that any any sin, any act of the enemy that pulls you away from God, which is all that the enemy tries to do, is actually makes them an enemy of human nature
1: right and I think it, this is a good uh, time to talk about or just to briefly state that you know sin or evil is actually just the perversion of good mm-hmm you know evil isn't something um, it is the perversion of good uh, so even Satan himself was created good and his essence is good because he was created by God, but he's a, he is just a perversion of that goodness. And so that's why things like, uh, sex and food and all those things, which are not intrinsically evil, alcohol, those things, right. um, they are good things that can be perverted, you know, and, right. and it do, just is, it's so yeah, that becomes that was
0: probably one of the things that really stood out to me the most, um, is uh, from the readings this past weekend. You know, the readings this past weekend. The first reading was from Genesis, and it was talking about the enemy tempting Eve in the garden, right, with partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it was amazing to me. You know, the enemy just doesn't have anything new. Like, like we've always said, he's no he he's not creative. There's no life within him, so he's not creative. He just twists the truth that's already there, right. And so when he came and he started questioning Eve, before she was convinced to partake of the tree, she started to pervert the truth in her mind. Mm-hmm. And so if you go back and look at the scripture, it's, it's, it's crazy and it stood out to me so much um, throughout each of the readings. But just that she said, and then she saw that the tree was good for food.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is true.
0: And could bring her wisdom and, and make her like God kind of thing. And it was just like, I mean, how long did it take you to come up with these bullet points of like why it would be good to go against what the Lord had asked of you, you know? And so, um, and then it became just this, this hermeneutic of theft, you know, instead of, of taking what has been offered to her as freedom and going against gift. the human nature right. of gift, you know? Um, but so we've defined those two things. And what's important is these, these first two rules are really for you gaining the awareness of who you are. Are you a person that is going from mortal sin to mortal sin as in rule number one or later when we talk about rule number two, Are you that person? And so when Jason and I were talking about the person who was going from mortal sin to mortal sin and looking through the book and just talking about Father Timothy, um, the example that he uses in the book is beautiful. And that example is St. Augustine. And St. Augustine, you know, in his young adult days, unlike myself, but a lot like Jason, had a very wayward past. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... And so he he just gave in to all of his wanton desires, right? Love.
1: He loved a lot. What can I say? Oh my god! Men gosh. who are passionate. I mean, <laughs> sometimes you get lost, but that's only because your heart is just so beautiful and true. And- Do you say that in confession, <laughs> like when
0: you go to confess? Are you like, forgive me for all of these things? But I am just a passionate. <laughs> you make excuses for your. Uh, okay so (laughs) Saint Augustine there's this beautiful um, if you've read any of the confessions there's a part where he is sitting under the tree with his friend who I can never pronounce his name right but then Alipius as well who was his very good friend but then what was the other guy's name Pon Pon I was already told today that I got Lin-Manuel Miranda wrong so (laughs) I'm trying not to uh Mess up any other name, I think. something like that. Um, but they're sitting underneath the tree, and they were just chatting. And he was talking about the fact that two soldiers from the emperor's court, um, Pontentianus, that sounds right. That's, that's, yeah. um, but how he had two two f- soldiers from the enemy's court were walking, and they found a book by Saint Athanasius about the life of Saint Anthony, and how he had sold everything that he had and given it to the poor. And so he's just kind of casually telling the story and then leaves, you know, just like hanging out by the water cooler and you just tell, tell this story at your office and you don't think that this has, it's going to affect anybody. I'm just telling the story, not a big deal. Well, he didn't know that that had just completely impacted St. Augustine in a huge way. And all of his life, really, he had been kind of fighting against the good spirit. Mm -hmm. He had been trying to go from mortal sin to mortal sin, but there was still this, which I'm sure was very much in part to his mother's prayers for him, but that there was still this pricking, you know, this good spirit that was pricking and, and stinging and biting their conscience, you know, just through the power of moral judgment, like this rule says, and just to tell him there's something better for you. Like this is not, this is not the life that, that you're meant to have.
1: Right. In fact, it's against your, your nature. Right. Yeah.
0: And it was crazy. I mean, out of all the things that I'm sure the Lord had attempted. Um, but you know, it, it's all on his perfect timing, but that for it to be a kind of like a, just a casual story in a garden with some friends, that's the thing that pricks his soul, you know, and really opened him up. Right. To hopefully change the direction that he was going in. Instead of going away from God, maybe drawing him closer to God. And so in the book, they do give a couple of examples of the person that's going from mortal sin to mortal sin. Like the sophomore in college that decides that they are going to leave the church. Or the husband who is cheating on his wife and not attending mass anymore. And so um, there are evils in the world, but even more so there are graces of God which is really beautiful, and I don't think we, we we sometimes give way too much credit to the evils in the world without giving enough credit to the grace of God. So do you remember any time, Jay, in your life when um, you can clearly see uh, that you were in the practice of continually moving away from God?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, this rule, like we were saying earlier— um you and I, uh, I think this rule of uh, when you're going from mortal sin to mortal sin truly applies mostly to to that time when you are really having a big conversion in your life, you know, and trying to change your life from, you know, running away from God to uh, pursuing Him. And certainly that uh, rings really true in my life in, in college, um... I was living uh that sort of lifestyle where I truly was just running away from God and uh vice after vice and it's very easy easy to just give into pleasure, you know, right. um and uh of all kinds. Mm. And when I had sort of hit a low, a really low point and recognized that all of these pleasures were not bringing me any joy, any any happiness, um you know, the Lord sort of stole my heart, and I remembered who I was, and um, and that pricking of my conscience sort of came to fruition, and um, I started. I caught a glimpse of you know who I was and what I was created to be, and I started pursuing the Lord. But just like He talks about, you know, that process is. It takes time. You it know. takes
0: time. Awareness definitely takes time. It
1: takes time, for sure. <clears throat> and and even after y- your heart is converted, just like St. Augustine talks about, um, when he was sort of personifying his vices and, sa- you know, his vices telling him, like, are you really going to leave us because you realize if you leave us, you know, you'll never, have, you us never again, have us again. You know, right. and 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 you really do go through that when you're addicted to some sort of pleasure. You're like even for Lynn, for example, you know, you can you really give this up, you know? Right. That voice is there like, you know, yeah, can you really live without me? And and it really does feel like you're dying and in a certain, you know, part of you is dying uh to right. let these things go. But my God, the freedom that comes, right? When, right, when you let them go and then you realize, not just the fact that you realize that you don't need them, but you realize how they were serving to go against your very nature, you know. And then,
0: Do you remember any time that maybe when you were struggling with going from mortal sin to mortal sin and you would go to find a way out, but do you remember any any instances when the enemy would, would convince you with your imagination, you know, like you, just like Augustine, you know, where the enemy was just like, you know, you, if you choose this way, you will never have us again. Don't you remember how good it is? Right. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, I I think that probably the most obvious example is a specific person that was in my life that I knew was um, not good for me, was a bad influence, and um, it was drawing me into things that I knew that were were bad, but what the enemy kept telling me was, you know, if you, if you leave this person, you're going to be alone. And, you know, I, I knew in my heart of hearts that I hadn't really ever been okay with who I was alone. And so the thought of being alone frightened me and the enemy knew that, Uh, you know, and so that was enough to scare me into staying, you know, uh, for a long time until that person, thanks be to God, in her, in, in her own confession said that she could no longer be with me because of, you know, she had felt so guilty for the way that our relationship had developed and, and what it, we had gotten into. And, um, and when, this person was gone from my life, you know, then it's kind of like the smoke starts to clear and you start to see again. And um, and so, um, I mean, that I think that was probably the most obvious example of the enemy tempting me, of, you know, right. you're going to be all alone and what are you going to do, you know, when this happens? Um, and that's because Christ was not, first in my life you know right when he becomes your everything then your soul is rightly ordered and you're not attached in a perverted disordered way to any thing or any other person and you can love them freely but when you make a person a god in a sense and you and you imagine that you can't live without them then you know everything is is very much disordered and um and there's an do you unhealthy remember, relationship there. You
0: know, so we we definitely know that you remember the enemy at work. But what? do you remember the good spirit at work ever during those times? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. a pricking painful, or a
1: stinging? Very painful. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, just in general, that time in college, there's an overall sense of pain, you know, like deep pain in my soul from having been raised by... Um, God-fearing, um, beautiful parents, um, good Catholic people, and and being raised in in the household that I was raised in, where I knew that I was loved, um, and I I knew what selfless, you know, altruistic love was, just from how I was raised. And so, living in this sort of um, uh, hedonistic and pagan sort of college environment, about which is all about pleasure-seeking and partying and that kind of thing. I mean, it just felt wrong in general, like I knew deep down. Um, And there would be, of course, instances where, um, you know, someone offers you something or, you know, go to a party or, you know, drinking and those kind of things. And and the whole time I I just remember feeling like sad and like, this is not me, you know, this is not who I am, this is not right, and, um, and so, yeah, there was just that struggle all the time, and it wear, it wore me out. I mean, I can't, I, I was so in, in it for so long, you know, for years that when I was finally free, I mean, I'll never forget the, um, freedom that I felt, um, having left all that behind decidedly. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful freedom that we were called to. And it makes me weep to think about it every time. How right. much the Lord loves us and, and, and the dignity uh and the freedom that we're called to live in. So, um
0: I mean you know. I think that my my biggest time of dealing with this rule in particular was probably in high school. And I was I was very I was Protestant, but I think now, you know, even reading these rules as a Catholic, I would want everyone to read them. I mean, they're just, it's just amazing. And it really helps you to know your heart and to know what's happening in your life, you know, and be able to put a name with things. You know, this is a good spirit. This is the enemy at work. And then be be able to be aware of what's going on. Um, but, you know, I remember going, partying, and doing everything that comes along with it, you know, when I was in high school. And, but I was still you know, a pastor's daughter and was still going to, to church or being involved in certain things, but I had never really been around a, a youth group or a, a group of people my age that were really pursuing Christ, you know? And so I remember going to this church, this very charismatic church, um, and as a because a friend of mine that I was working with wanted me to go to see the guy that she had a crush on that was the only reason why I went with her cuz she said you know you just just come with me tonight and I just want you to see him he's really cute just come with me and so i remember sitting in the back of the church and the youth group there was just passionately in love with Christ and so um they had a moment where they could come down and pray you know of course at the altar um, of this church. And I remember seeing these teens go up and pray. And I mean, they looked like they were talking to someone. I just remember, I mean, there wasn't anybody else there other than themselves and the people around them, but they looked like they were in intimate communion with someone. You know, I can say that now as an adult, but I know that then I was just like, what is going on? Um, and I remember thinking, I want, I want that. Like, I want to meet whoever they're talking to. And, um, and that was definitely just an in your face type of, of turning away from going away from God and then deciding to pursue him. Right. And for St. Augustine that day, you know, he heard this story and was sitting there and, um, and then heard some children on the other side of the garden wall saying, you know, to read the scriptures. (laughs) And so he pulled out the Bible and it talked about the mercy of God in the scripture that he was right. led to. And then that led him down this road of. Right. Of pursuing Christ. Yeah. And it, so just a really beautiful thing. And if you get the chance, you know, to go in and read book eight of confessions, he does talk in there about the fact that the enemy was at his back. You know, he could hear the voice of the evil one behind him. And so all of those things insinuate that he had changed his direction. Right. You know, if right. the enemy is at your back, then you must be heading opposite of him. You know, if he is behind you, then you are moving forward in a direction that is not pursuing the enemy's ways, but you are now pursuing God.
1: Yeah. And
0: I'd, I'm not I'm not even sure if he realized that like as he was
1: when he when he said, said it. When he said it, you yeah, know. Right
0: but it's such a significant thing, the direction that you're moving into. And that's definitely the biggest part of awareness.
1: Yeah. Uh, And Lent is a perfect time to start putting some of this into practice because when you, when you pray and decide, you know, some certain things that you may be attached to and that are keeping you from God or that you're making in a sense, a God in your life, um, when you discern what those things are, and you start to turn, uh, you know, turn away from them and towards God, you realize your attachment to them because it's painful. Right. But w- conversion, you know, at first, just as it says in the first rule, that the your conscience is pricking at you, and it's and it's painful at first. Right. But when you, you know, take that moment of courage. And you, you, you turn away from those attachments and you make those, that leap and those steps towards um, pursuing goodness. And, and, but not just goodness like an abstract uh, theory, but like a person. When you right. start to look at Christ and long to be with Him um, and long to be holy rather than to have these attachments which you know enslave you, once you make that step, then you know your direction changes, and it becomes the rule switch, which we'll talk about next time, right, and with rule with the second rule right, which is pl- applies to those people who are um, pursuing virtue and have turned you know their backs on on uh, on vice and on attachments and those kind of things right then the rules kind of change um,
0: It's true. So we're out of time again. So uh, thank you guys so much. And so please tune in next time. We were supposed to get through rule one rule one and rule two. And um, we, we did get through rule one. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll dive into rule two next week. And thank you guys so much. And may your Lent continue to be a time of beautiful discernment for you. And growing closer to goodness that is a person and not an idea and we love you and we're praying for you god bless. god bless faith fit radio and the diocese of orlando presented school of humanity with jason and rachel bowman thank you for listening check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time may you be blessed with peace and joy